Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Today I have Henry on the show. Henry is an inspirational author on a mission to help millennials on their healing journey. And his Instagram feed is basically a collection of principles and ideas to help you cultivate self-love and become the best version of you. And that's something which stood out to me and I just felt perfectly matched. All the guests on the series... And uh, Henry is out in Paris currently. He's based out there and he's doing some great work helping people. Um, and I think that just was the more than perfect reason for me to get in touch and have him on the show. Hi, Henry. Welcome to Unplug with Annie. Um, it's really great having you on this. Um, I've, not, I've not interviewed anyone in France as of now, but you're the first one who's in France. Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure for me to finally meet with you and, you know, have a talk. My pleasure. Yeah, of course. And I, I so I want to understand a bit more about you. I know that you, uh, you say like it's your mission to help millennials cultivate self-acceptance and that's mm -hmm. something which is you know you talk about on Instagram as well but can you tell us can you tell us more specifically what you mean by that basically what I mean what I mean by that is that I teach people in their 20s and 30s you know 90s baby 80s baby how to love themselves you know I teach them how to become their own number one fan their own best friend and their own number one supporter basically you know? mm -hmm. and in terms of like, I feel like self-love and, you know, self-acceptance and all of these things are things that we're not taught in school. It's something I've spoken about with all of the guests on, on this series. Um, mm -hmm. so, so in terms of these life lessons, if we don't have a, a, a coach, if we don't have a mentor or someone to guide us, is it a matter of like having to like repeatedly learn life lessons on our own until we you know finally have a breakthrough moment and and get through the lesson or or do you feel like we have to make a conscious choice of actually spending time understanding what we're feeling and you know the gaps in our life and kind of deal with it head on i think that you have to work on it you know it's not something that's innate you know nobody uh was born with uh, inner knowledge of what it is to love yourself or how to treat yourself um i actually use the word cultivate self-acceptance because um it's like gardening you know you have to work on it every day it's like a plant you have to nurture it and take care of it on a regular basis and I use the example of gardening because it's working on yourself never ends. You know, there's never a day where you'll be completely comfortable and stress-free and mm. you always have to work on it and take baby steps towards it. It's a subject that we're not taught at school and I totally agree on that, you know, but um, I don't think that schools were created with the well-being of pupils or students in mind, you know, and that's important. You know very unfortunate so a lot of us suffer from it because uh it's not something that we've been taught like you said you have to make a conscious decision you know you have to 
realize that there's something off and you have to start looking for help or searching for answers, you know? It's not going to come to you. You have to go and find the knowledge or seek, seek the knowledge or seek what you're looking for. And yeah. in psychology, we, we use uh, the term of working. I mean, in order to get better, you have to work on suffering less. So basically, when you work on yourself or you cultivate self-love, you're not increasing um, pleasure or happiness. What you're doing is you're decreasing suffering. You work on the aspect of your life where you have the most suffering, what bothers you the most, what, um, what's really trigger, triggering you, if I can say it like that, and you work on it, you know, trying to understand where does it come from. Okay, when you understand... Where does it come from? Trying to understand how does the human mind work, you know? What's going on inside of me when this thing happened? What's triggering me? And how can I think about it see, and reflect on it? And as you do this self-work or inner work, and when you work on yourself, then the suffering decreases. For example, if you lack confidence, try to work on it. And as time goes by, you take baby steps one day at a time, your discomfort level will decrease and you'll feel more confident. Not because you became Arnold Schwarzenegger and became Reeves and Jack or whatever, but because you learn how to understand yourself and not being disturbed by all these things that used to take you off balance in the past. Hmm. So this is my approach to working on yourself, but I don't think that when it comes to self-love, we're all in the same boat sure. because some people start their other life with a full tank of self-love. Some people start with half a tank and some people start with an empty tank. So <laughs> it all depends on the level of validation and attention that you have as a child. Yeah. Like growing up, me, Henry, for example, if I was ignored by my mom, you know, and my dad or Either, either one of them, you know. I, start, I would start in life with a lower level of self-love because my parents didn't pay attention to me and they did not validate how I felt, you know. Maybe if I was crying or I was looking for something, they never helped me, they never paid attention to me. So when I start life, I would not have this same sense of self-love as someone who's been validated by their parents, you know. Even though as a three-year-old, uh, their parents will have discussion with them. And even though the parents don't understand a word of what you're saying, they still pay attention to you and they make you feel important. When you start in life, you have a better sense of self-love than someone who didn't receive the same amount of attention and validation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love the, the part where you actually said about focusing on the on suffering less i think that's a really mm -hmm. interesting perspective um so in your in your content another thing which i've read which you talk about is um you 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 do post content on like recognizing to like toxicity and like toxic relationships yeah. and yeah. Um, and you say that it's you know actually entering a toxic relationship usually tends to be based on either fear or low self-esteem. So I was going to yeah. ask 
ask you about, you know, where does that fear of being abandoned arise from? But then you kind of have said that it's always connected to upbringing. Is, is that always the case or can it actually happen to us later in life? And then that experience leaves a scar on us as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I talk about toxic relationships, um, my philosophy or my approach of it, not only mine, but the people that I studied who worked on a subject before me, realize that there's basically two underlying components of any toxic relationship. And one of them is fear, as you said, and the other one is low self-esteem. So fear can come from two sources. The first one is indeed experience. You know, you've been through something traumatic or you experienced something uh, difficult firsthand. So your brain uh, saved the information and trying to do everything to prevent you from suffering again. So this is how fear is born uh, on the level of experience. You experiment something traumatic and now your brain is like, okay, this may be a dangerous situation. I become fearful of it, you know, yeah. like fear of abandonment. You've been abandoned by a parent, you experience it firsthand and now you're traumatized about it and you don't want to be abandoned ever again because it was so stressful and traumatic for you at the time that your brain recorded the information. The second source of fear is uh, learning experience. So it's not something that you've experienced firsthand, but it's a fear that was passed on to you by someone else. Mm. So, for example, you have a parent who went through a very traumatic story and told you how horrible it is to be alone or to be abandoned. You never experienced it, but the fear was passed on to you. So in your mind, right. this is traumatic. And I don't want to go, I don't ever go to a similar situation because my dad told me how horrible it is for him to be abandoned. So it passed on the fear to me. Right. Um, it can also come from real life experience or so someone real experience, or it can also come from movies. Sometimes you're afraid of, you know, when you're a kid and you watch a horror movie, when you see a shark, you know, going uh, in people's, um, not pool, but not backyard, but <laughs> by the beach, you know, then you became afraid of going to the beach, not because you've seen a shark, but because you've seen it in a movie. So it's a fear that was passed on to you. Right. These are the two sources of fear. Right. Like you said, uh, some, like you said, some of it can come from childhood experiences. Uh, in 80% of the time, you know, mostly something that you experienced or something that was passed on to you during childhood. But in 20% of the case, um, it can also come from traumatic events that you experienced in adulthood. For example, you went through a war in Iraq or Afghanistan and you came back home and you traumatized. Not because of something that you lived in your childhood, it happened in adulthood, but you're traumatized the same way. Or if you are assaulted in the street or something like that, you know, so very traumatic events can happen yeah. either in childhood or in adulthood and they have the same consequences and effects. And so how do you 
once having experienced something traumatic, how do you raise your self-esteem again? How do you essentially heal from that traumatic experience? And is there kind of any right way of, of doing this pro healing? Mm. Okay, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. There's many approaches uh, that all can lead to similar results, you know. But one thing that I want to add when it comes to self-esteem, you know, uh, we talk about fear, but self-esteem or low self-esteem, to be uh, precise, are usually is usually built inside hood, same way, but um, it's built by you internalizing the voices of people who are around you growing up. So, for example, if your parents always told you that you're a loser or you never do anything good or you, you're a bad, bad kid, you know, mm. uh, the more often you hear this type of voices, when you grow up, you feel like you're a loser, you're a bad person because you heard people around you as you were outside yeah. saying things to you. Right. You know? It's not only parents, it's any people in your childhood whose voices sound compelling enough to you at the time. It can be, for example, uh, a teacher, you know, or it can sometimes be older siblings or even schoolyard bullies, you know, because at the time for you, their voice was so compelling when you were three-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old. The voice as of, of a, even a school bully can be compelling to you. But if he told you that you're a loser in your mind, your brain doesn't have um, enough maturity to develop critical thinking or to analyze things. So you just internalize whatever they say to you. But mm -hmm. it's how low self-esteem is built. So in order for you to build self-esteem, you have to learn how to love yourself. Because these people in your childhood did not love you. This is the reason why you talk to you this way. Mm. To learn how to love yourself, then maybe you can change the voice, the inner voice that you hear at the back of your mind, you know? And you can do it by selflessness. It's the art of putting yourself first, you know, take care of your own needs. Don't wait for people to do it. Learn how to do it for yourself, you know. Learn how to take care of you. What do you want to do today? Oh, I want to go to the movie. And go and see a movie, you know, go and get a new haircut, go and buy some clothes or do some meditation or something that you like, you know, something that makes you feel good to take care of you. Mm. Don't always wait for someone else to take care of your needs. Don't have to put yourself first. And this is selflessness, one yeah. aspect of building self-love. Another one is self-acceptance. Embrace who you are. Be okay with your qualities and flows. No one is perfect. So just, yeah, no matter who you are, no matter what you are, be okay with every single thing about you. If you're tall, short, black, white, rich, poor, or... Mm -hmm. athletic or not no matter what you are you have to be okay with every aspect of you because it's, it's good enough you know no one is perfect and you have to learn how to embrace yourself but it's just self-acceptance it's another way to be able to build self-esteem mm -hmm. and third one is self-love learn how to support yourself unconditionally no matter what you did be your number one supporter. You know, always be on your side. Become your own best friend. And this is another way to be a self-esteem. 
Yeah, no, that's so, yeah, it, it's so great that you, you shared a few examples of, of what we can do. Um, another mm -hmm. thing is obviously, like, I find that a lot of us, we betray ourselves, like, we kind of um, experience self-sabotage and actually, you know, there's this, mm -hmm. this involvement of our own selves in, in, in terms of making things worse for ourselves. So um, how do we, how do we make sure like we're checking in with ourselves that is it, is it like about constantly asking ourselves, are we doing this to make someone else happy? Or is this what I want to do? Is that what it takes like on a daily basis to, to stop self-sabotaging? Mm, that's a very good question, Anissa. I think that mm, it's not as complicated as you may think <laughs> or we make it look. Yeah. Because what you have to do basically is pay attention to your inner dialogue, pay attention to your gut feeling. Mm. Because usually when you betray yourself, there's an internal conflict going on inside you. You know, there's a gut feeling like a resistance or discomfort that you feel inside of you. Yeah. Sometimes, or most of the time, you can uh, learn how to not care about it, you know, and do whatever you feel, uh, or do whatever uh, the other people or someone else expect from you. But you always feel this gut feeling because deep down inside of you, you don't want to do it, but you've been trained to not listen to your inner voice or inner dialogue and please society, please your parents, or please people. So what you gotta do is try to be honest with yourself. You know, when you feel something, even if it's very small, you always feel this gut feeling, this resistance, like I don't want to do it, but I'll do it anyway because I want to please her or I don't want to hurt the relationship or whatever. You need to try to be honest with yourself, you know, learn how to say no and learn how to express how you feel without fear you know it's not easy takes time but take baby steps one yeah. day at a time learn how to do it and slowly but surely you get there it's not overnight it's not a process but listen to your inner dialogue yeah that's so great i think learning how to say no is uh, another thing which I feel like a lot of us struggle with and it didn't come naturally I know like that's been so challenging for me because I think it's only very recently where I've come face to face with like questioning how much I want to kind of please other people and how much is actually for me um, mm -hmm. so I, that leads me on to like my next question which is like I feel that I, because I'm I'm quite high empath um, mm -hmm. you know that that's even more difficult so where do we draw this line because I I recently felt like and actually this this came across to me because like I engaged in some therapy myself and what okay. I, what yeah. I realized was that I think I do have a bit of a savior complex and you mm -hmm. know I want to try and sort of yeah but it's kind of at, at the expense of uh, you know myself so, um, exactly. so a, a lot of people then, you know, then go want to go the opposite way, like, and just don't want to be empathetic anymore. So how do we kind of keep that balance? Mm -hmm. So the balance or the line has to be drawn 
by um, boundaries, you know, you have to be clear about your boundaries. Because it's hard for empaths uh, out there because you feel people's energy, you know, and you want to save everybody because you can feel that a lot of people are in pain. And as you can feel it, you want to do something. Yeah. But the problem is when you do for others what they can do for themselves, number one, they never learn how to do it themselves because you do everything with them. And number two, you're taking away their own sense of responsibility. You know, if you take care of my needs, then why would I even bother doing yeah. it? You know, if every time that I'm in pain, I can call Annie and Annie will solve, solve everything for me. And I'll never learn how to solve my own problem. And I'll never be responsible for them. So until my back is not against the wall, I don't hit rock. I don't hit rock bottom. I don't really see why would I change if Annie takes care of all my problems for me. Hey, I'm good with it. So it may come from a good intention on your side, but at the end, you're doing me more harm because I never grow. I never become mature. Uh, I never go through my own learning experience, you know, because someone else is taking care of my responsibilities. So um, mm. by you acting as a parent or acting as a savior and treating me like a child or a victim, you're not really helping me and you're not even helping you because yeah. you, you'll be drained at the end of the day. True. What we can do in order to change that is having clear boundaries. So you have to consider other people as full-grown adults, you know? You have to act as if they were adults, talk to them as if they were adults, and consider them as if they were adults. You know, they are responsible of their own life, their own decisions, and their own actions. They're free to create the life that they want. If I don't want to work, it's my choice, you know? Mm. I, I'm free to create whatever I want, you know, you don't have to constantly be behind my back to try to push me to change, you know, if I want to stay like I am and continue to complain about what's, what's wrong in my life, but I don't want to do anything about it, but complaining, at the end of the day, my, my life, I'm responsible for it, you know, even if sure. I may suffer for it, you're not responsible of my life, you know, I, and I don't say that people us want to do it intentionally you know that's not what i'm saying mm. but i say that at the end of the day people are responsible for their action and you you can't force them to change yeah you can only you can only help someone who wants to be helped you know mm. so you have to ask for permission you know if you see someone who is in pain or in trouble or suffers ask him can i help you always ask for their permission because if you do uh, things for themselves without their permission, then you're taking away their responsibility. But True. ask for permission. Do you need help? Can I help you? Sometimes the person will say yes, and then you can come and help that person. Sometimes the person will say, no, I don't need your help. I don't want to change. Get out of my way. <laughs> and you have to respect that, even though you're an empath and you can feel that there's something wrong going on. Yeah. Hey, Everyone has to be responsible of their own actions. They are, you know, let them have their own experience and assume the consequences of it. You know? 
at the end of the day, we're all adults, so we have to treat each other as such. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's a really good point. Um, is there anything like this? This series being called "Release" is something that I am asking a lot of the guests on this particular series. Is I often find that you know life kind of throws you the same. This you can find yourself in the same patterns of things until you've learned mm -hmm. that specific lesson. And sometimes we need to release and let go of something in order to get to the next kind of phase in our lives or to accelerate. And I don't know if you've ever been through that where you've tried to like cling on to something, even knowing that like probably inside that it's not good for you um, and, and finding yourself stuck. But it was only the moment where you, released it and you know actually surrendered it to a certain degree that you were able to get out of that situation is there anything like that that you've experienced in your own life i realize um in my own life the things that i have to release in order for me to change was first perfection so i used to be a perfectionist you know i think that i have to be perfect and all the time so um I also had a problem with ego. I used to think that I was the best, you know, I'm perfect and I'm the best. I can do whatever I want and I always have to be perfect all the time, always have a perfect presentation, always feel all around, you know, this sense of not superiority, but you always have to be perfect and you always have to be the best. But the thing is that as long as I was clinging to that idea of, uh, powerfulness or being almighty or you can do whatever you want and you are the best as long as i cling to that idea mm -hmm. i was suffering a lot like a lot it was painful because no one is perfect yeah and in all honesty i don't know there's seven billion people on this planet and i don't think i'm the best in in whatever i'm just another human being you know in the planet surrounded by seven billion people and thinking that i'm the best or i, I am perfect or whatever is um it may seem like a cool thing to do but it's not because at the end of the day you're just one among seven billion you know your mom and your dad made you the same way that the rest of us so you're not as good as you think and no one is perfect so trying to cling to the idea of perfection would only cause more internal stress for you Mm. And uh, I realized that I don't need to be perfect or I don't need to be the best to be loved. Because at the end of the day, all we want is to be loved, you know. I was yeah. trying to be perfect because growing up, my uh, parents or my dad, shout out to you, dad, <laughs> uh, always wanted me to have good grades, you know. He always wanted me to be the best at school. And I was doing my best to please him. I was doing everything, you know. So my dad and yes um i can i i, I worth it you know i want your attention i want your love if i have to get it through good grades then i'll do my best to have the best grade at school and you'll see that i'm the best and that i'm perfect and i'm what you expect from me but here's a little story mm, one day i had a let's say i have a c plus and i show it to my dad it's like uh, yeah, just a c plus. You, know, you can do better then the next day i came to my dad and i had a b plus say b plus okay but you can do better 
And then the next day, I, and I came out at A plus, you know, like the maximum grade that you can have in school, you know. And I was the first at the top of my class at the time, and I came with an A plus. Yeah, that's show it to him, like, maybe he'll finally be proud of me. And he was like, A plus, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you can never, you can never be good enough. Yeah, huh? exactly. To me, yeah. I would never be good enough. So that's the reason why I was reaching for perfection. Yeah. But then I learned that I don't need to be perfect for the best to be loved. You know, I'm worthy of love as I am. I am enough. Yeah. When I grab, grab that idea or write my, my head around it, it says, you know, I don't need to be the best. I don't need to be perfect to be loved. I can be loved just as I am. Mm. And when I release this idea of perfection or this ego or, or being the best, and my life became less, less stressful. Yeah. Like stressful. And I could learn a lesson and love myself, you know, mm-hmm. and not, not always seek out for external validation. Now I don't, I don't need my dad to tell me that what I'm doing is good or great, you know. I'm comfortable with who I am, you know. I'm not looking for A plus anymore. True. To me, done is better than perfect. So I just do what I feel I need to do. And I love myself more every day. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, uh, Henry, for taking out time and, and having a chat mm-hmm. with us. Oh, thank you, Anissa, for having me on the show. And I wish you the best. And that was the end of an episode of the series of release. I will be back next Sunday with another episode from the same series as we continue this journey, primarily focused on relationships, on healing, on self-love. And I'm super excited for you to tune in to more episodes with a lot more new guests. I can promise you that you're going to take something away from all of these episodes and all of the amazing people that I'm going to be talking to. And meanwhile, you can stay updated with everything Unplug on the Instagram page, Unplug with Annie, and on the Facebook page, Unplug with Annie. You can also go to the website and sign up for the emails if you haven't already, which is www.unplugwithannie.com.